John, can you help adjudicate if a joke I made was good or not? Yes. Uh, or mean or not. I mean, so, that, I'm obviously an unbiased or a, a, a arbiter of such things. Uh, yes. I said unbiased. Yeah, you were the king of jokes. Clearly yeah. biased, because obviously everything I think you say is clearly unfunny. So. Oh, okay. No, well, no, you're the qu- king of jokes. Oh, uh, is, I am. This is your t- Twitter handle, king of jokes, at, at king of jokes. I think uh, he just died, Greg. That's in poor taste. <laughs> okay, sorry. Well, maybe this joke was in poor taste. So... Uh, my fiance and I uh, frequently uh, frequent the local Costco, mm-hmm. and if you've ever been to a Costco, you know on the way out they have people just uh, a lot of different home appliances, and they basically busk for your attention. Like, uh, hey, do you need new siding? Do you need this? Do you need that? Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And for the last couple of weeks, there's been all a right. Very starting busy- with a relatable premise, I like it. I know, okay, exactly. let's see where this goes. <laughs> so. At this particular location, there's a very enthusiastic woman who sells window coverings. And so, and she's, again, very, very enthusiastic about it. So you'll hear, like, on the way out, in spite of all the noise around, you'll hear, like, does anyone need any window coverings? Like, you know, who what wants they, a window coverings? What do they mean by window coverings? That's the thing. Like, looking at the pictures, it's a little ambiguous. They kind of look like shutters that scroll down. Okay. Yeah, so, so they're blinds, not exactly basically. shutters. They but look like, yeah, like, like outdoor, outdoor blinds. Outdoor blinds, right. yeah. Okay. And so, as this jokes are, I was just waiting for the perfect opportunity to nail this perfect joke, um, which my fiance did not appreciate, but maybe you will. Okay. It was just as we approach her, I said, "Gosh, you know what we need, honey? Window coverings." Mm. And literally, within a second later, she said, "Anybody need any window coverings?" Mm. <laughs> so this was really more kind of environmental, and it was all about good timing. Yes. yes. Okay, I'm gonna give it a good five out of ten because that is way too specific and. The content itself isn't funny. It's the timing of it. So outside of that, uh, yeah, it's just no, no, it didn't work. It didn't work. So five okay. out of ten. Yeah. Uh, well, again, it was you had to be there. Uh, it did rely on the timing. <laughs> no, no. See, that's an automatic disqualifier. You had to and be there. It's exactly. not a good way to start a joke. I know, I know. And also, uh, this is what I, I more personally feel, and why this is, uh, stuck stuck with me since the day since it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, she thought it was a little mean because again, the woman is very earnestly trying to sell you window coverings, and I like kind of. It kind of feels like punching down for, a little bit, yeah. It does, yeah. It's like when you make um, fun of the people who are on San, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, like busking, like the people dressed as like Spider-Man and yeah. uh, Elsa or whatever, you know, asking for money. It's yeah, yeah. You're a bad person. So uh, I, I know. okay, I, I changed I my rating. Publicly... Four out of ten. Four out of ten. <laughs> so I want to take this opportunity to publicly apologize again. You could stick the Kirby enthusiasm music over this. <laughs> These are the travails in the life of Greg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can I tell you my bad go-to joke that I, I okay. say to strangers? And it hasn't always worked out, but most of the time it does. I'm batting about, you know, 300 on it. Um, That's a good average, John. If I see, if I see a husky or people walking a, do- uh, a dog that looks Alaskan in nature, I always make the same comment, which is, ooh, I think you should stop feeding that dog so much. It's looking a little husky. Boom. Roasted. Yeah, again, another relatable premise. <laughs> <laughs> Relatable uh, who premise. Am, whom amongst us? Yeah. Whom Execution us wise, eh, leaves much to yeah. be desired. <laughs> who amongst us hasn't walked past their local fast, uh, f- fast culinary concern and <laughs> <laughs> seen a seen a, breed, a dog breed that must start at start at like two thousand dollars? <laughs> oh, I live in North Park, uh, California. It's like insane the number of Frenchies yeah. you see around. Like these people have so much money. I mean, it makes sense because no apartment in that area actually allows dogs. So if you're going to get a dog, you're going to be fucking spending money on it. Like yes. it's got to be the right breed. It's got to have the right, yeah, and multiple. 
everyone, you know, there's no apartments that allow dogs, but at least everyone who can have a dog in their apartment has two or three. It's insane. Yeah, and, well... Folks, is this relatable? Is this relatable? (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, I guess we should also, like, uh, start the episode with some news. Oh, yes. We've got some some news to report. Um, Well, it... It's bittersweet because uh, we'll be going on. We'll be going on a quick hiatus. Um, cue, cue the uh, <laughs> the uh, music to end uh, Fast and Furious Seven like, um, <laughs> when we say goodbye. To... <laughs> I thought we could have done the curb music again because that that show takes like two to three years off every yeah. time. <laughs> Fair enough, but yes, we'll be taking a brief hiatus. We'll have one more episode next week, and then we're taking off at least the month month of March. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you'll be traveling as well as like, we, we've got a lot going on. Unfortunately, we can't commit to, uh, doing the podcast every, um, that's why we want to thank our producers, um, all two of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's you and me, but so we can, we just can't commit to doing it in March. So we're going to be taking a, a, a brief, possibly permanent hiatus. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I want you to spam the Instagram account, namely John's personal Instagram account. Mm. That's at Mantel, M-A-N. Just go ahead, spam him. Say, we demand more, all right? Mm. We demand more free podcasts. Ad-free. We demand more of it, and we want you to go in perpetuity. We want you to reach 1,000 episodes. We want you to do this for the next 20 years. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are podcasts out there who have done it, and, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know how they... I don't envy them. <laughs> no, I don't either. <laughs> uh, is there any, any other topics of news you want to bring up, Greg? Anything else you want uh, to discuss? No, who won the, who the weekend? Let's look, let's look at the broadsheets. Greg, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, just pulling it out, just, you know, I winning know. all day. <laughs> Validating gamers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a good video game movie? I need to know. Yeah. God knows these people need to be catered to. <laughs> First Ghostbusters, now this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do lo- yeah, I do love uh, <laughs> the idea that it, it, this movie uh, validates gamers and their taste. Let's say after finishing a marathon session of uh, Call of Duty or Resident Evil Seven or something, they, they go straight to uh, uh, they go straight to their cinemas and enjoy a movie that's really about the power of friendship. So there that's that's really edifying. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, but enough of enough of that talk. Yeah, I mean no, if, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into a thornier subject here. Yes, because the Oscars are still fresh in our head somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, we've, John, that was like eight news cycles ago. <laughs> exactly. But because of that, this whole month long, we've been exploring movies that have won Best Picture or been nominated for Best Picture, and also just happen to be musicals, going back to yeah. the Cats fervor that was kicked up just so long ago. So I, Yeah, it was Cats that precipitated it, not, <laughs> not the Oscars themselves. Yes, exactly. Dummy. It was a horrible experiment. I did not enjoy Musical Month. Oh, <laughs> you're so mean. <laughs> Whatever. I'm, I'm sorry. Again, not to not to bring the tone of the episode down, but uh, let's look at a, a the most recent. I guess it's not the most recent musical to win Best Picture, huh? Does the artist qualify? I guess not. I technically not, because no one's really singing and dancing. I mean, they're dancing, yeah. but they're not really singing. So no, I don't think yeah. it qualifies as a musical. Okay, so the most recent winner of the Best Picture Oscar, which happens to be a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little divisive. Like we're going to resolve some dialectics here, because at one point it's among the thousand and one movies to see before you die. But it's also been dubbed by Empire Magazine, the, that venerable institution, as one of the twenty most overrated movies of, of all time. Oh. Overrated. <laughs> Heaven forfend the very yes. notion. So we will resolve this this uh, this thesis and antithesis um, <laughs> by discussing the two thousand two winner, the winner of the Best Picture in two thousand two, Chicago. Come on, babe, we're gonna break this- 
And all that jazz. And all that jazz. Well, technically it won in 2003. The movie's from 2002. Who produced this movie, by the way, John? I mean, you chose it, and I know you really want to commend the producers, the people behind it. So, Look, I mean, Rob Marshall has had his run-ins with the law, but I think he's still he's still holding strong, okay? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to I will look say, up, like, with the... Uh, there's always like a front runner, like the one that's going to win and everyone's mad about it. And then there's always the one that should win. But I'm looking at the nominees and was there any particular movie that you think probably stood out and the critics kind of congealed around that were like, oh, this is really the one, the real true best picture? Um, if The Pianist was directed by anybody else, oh, okay. that would have been the one. <laughs> Got it. Um, however, it was not, it, for anybody who remembers The Pianist starring Adrian Brody, it was directed by Roman, Roman Polanski. Ooh. Yeah, so neck tug there. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, you can enjoy Chicago with a clear conscience, because as I alluded to earlier, it was produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> hey, <So. laughs> that name sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm thankful. I, I did rent this movie, um, but I, I'm thankful. I, I believe everybody uh, promised, everybody involved with this project has promised to donate their residuals um, to worthy causes, uh, namely uh, kind of scuttling sexual abuse, the kind perpetrated by the tor- terrible Harvey Weinstein. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. This, again, this movie's kind of solving a dialectic. A lot of people dub it as an overrated. However, looking back at 2002, not, not necessarily like a strong, not a lot of strong competition in terms of award contenders. <laughs> Excuse so. me, the hours? Hello? Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen the it. hours. Yeah, I have not seen the hours. Have you? Or? No, I have not. Okay, maybe we'll revisit. We'll do a 2002 month. Um, <laughs> Thank you. We watch this in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And, uh, what else came out that year? Uh, I don't know. Uh, extreme ops <laughs> that the snowboard action movie it's fine but so how do, how do we resolve this this dialectic is it is it like worthy of the accolade of being the best picture of that particular year or does it like is it cheesy and overrated like like a lot of movie musicals can be and i think this movie kind of plays it straight down the middle oh yes uh the way i would describe this movie is it is the most thoroughly average movie i've ever seen possibly (laughs) in my life it is just it keeps your attention going but you are just kind of checked out for the rest of it you know it didn't avert my eyes i didn't lose interest but also it just left my brain as soon as it was over so um, it's very competently made, very well acted, very well produced. I guess there's a few little niggles there, but if this were a heart monitor, it would only be a little blip. It's just in and out. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same way, and I, I, I think I enjoyed it maybe a little bit more than you did. I'm not angry at the fact. No, that, and yeah, I'm not angry either. But that's the problem: yeah. is it's hard to get riled up or emotional about a movie that's just this thoroughly bland, you know? Yeah. It's like, at well, least with a movie like Life is Beautiful, it's like, this is just atrocious, and I got really, really worked <laughs> up about it. This is just like, okay, that was something. 
All right. Well, yeah. Let's maybe see how it achieves this certain level of blandness, or this its kind of staid nature. Mm-hmm. The, the reason it didn't make an impact. Um, for those that don't know, Chicago is based on a Broadway musical inspired by the longest-running Broadway musical in history. Seriously? Uh, well, kind of. It's weird. It's a revival, so technically, with mm-hmm. the two combined uh, runs that it's had, it's technically the longest-running musical on Broadway. Okay. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, inspired by two murders that took place in the Roaring Twenties in Chicago, spouses taking revenge on their cheating husbands. Yeah. And so it's about the media sensation surrounding that. Mm-hmm. And this movie basically makes a uh, basically makes it a battle of wills between these two uh, imprisoned women. Um, you, you could also say a dialectic of Hollywood and Broadway, yes. um, kind of combining these two. There's definitely because, a theme of performance going on. You might have noticed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starting with Renee Zellweger, she represents Hollywood. She's the one who wants to, who aspires to have her name in bright lights and be world famous. Uh, however, she doesn't have an act. She doesn't have talent. No. And uh, she's being led, led along by uh, uh, McNulty from The Wire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says, uh, she's her John, basically. And she, and in exchange for, uh, let's say, uh, intimacy, um, she promises to get her an audition. On the other side of that, you have Broadway, represented by Catherine Zeta-Jones. She's overworked. She's 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 doing it. She's, um, she's hurting. She's her... tired. She's committed. Yes. Yeah, and she's performing with her sister, but her sister um, cheats on her with her husband. Right? Or, sorry, I'd probably phrase that terribly. Um, <laughs> cheats on her. <laughs> her, her, her. Her sister sleeps with her husband. Yes. And so she kills them both. All right, like uh, two of her. So, you know, she's got, she's got that angle going for her, <laughs> at least in the newspapers. So, again, it's resolving, like, hardworking, like, uh, maybe not exactly achieving the level of fame you want, and also, like, kind of, like, pie-in-the-sky version of, like, Hollywood. And so it kind of resolves these. And there's Veronica and Charlie doing number 17, the spread eagle. Well. I was in such a state of shock. I completely blacked out. I can't remember a thing. It wasn't until later, when I was washing the blood off my hands, I even knew they were dead. They had it coming. They had it coming. They had it coming. more than I could possibly say. He was a real artistic guy, sensitive, a painter. But he was always trying to find himself. He'd go out every night looking for himself, and on the way, he found Ruth, Gladys, Rosemary, and Irving. I guess you could say we broke up because of artistic differences. He saw himself as alive, and I saw him dead. It's also, there's also the element of kind of like how flame, uh, that flame, how fame is fleeting because yes. the whole kind of battle of wills initially starts because Catherine Z. Jones' character, Velma, is kind of the one that the newspapers are clamoring over. And as soon as uh, Renee Zellweger's Roxy ends up in the joint, then all of a sudden all the attention and focus ends up on her. And the way the movie, you know, jumping ahead, the way the movie ends up revolving, uh, resolving itself is that they both end up, you know, not in the spotlight anymore. Like there's a new sensation that hits and then they have to kind of join forces in order to revitalize both their careers. So, yes. 
So again, resolving the dialectic. That's yes. what the movie's really about. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think the problem is, like, in spite of all this drama, none of the drama actually cuts that deep. Mm, no. Like, it's never actually Very reaching anything. Yeah, it's, it's never actually reaching anything. Like, characters have a goal, and they set out to achieve it. In this case, like, be exonerated for uh, murdering their husbands and also achieve a level of uh, stardom and fame via music and entertainment. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really have, like, a central theme or idea it's playing with, and it doesn't really, like, hurt or scar those characters that really leave an impression on the audience and kind of direct our feelings one way or another. No. It's just, like, they this thing happens to them and then they sit in prison for a while while their lawyer does the work <laughs> and in the meantime there's a lot of like glitz and glamour like musical numbers all the musical numbers are like projections in Renee Zellweger's character's head yes that's so that is the ultimate theme I think the movie is going with is this whole idea of performance because again we're this is a story centered around performers so even when you know there's real life stakes like they could potentially get the death penalty for their crimes they're still Mm -hmm. looking at it like it's a performance like oh i have to play it up for the media i have to play it up for the courtroom and so that's why all the uh, musical numbers are very non-diegetic and they feel like they were kind of like interspersed we keep going to come back to you know quote unquote real life but the problem is this movie is already operating on a level of heightened reality as it is so the the musical numbers just feel like a hat on top of a hat you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was. I was kind of baffled by too, because it seems like literally like they just filmed the stage production. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we have this kind of like heightened reality, which is like, like the worst thing you can do with a Broadway yeah. musical. Like, yeah, everyone hated yeah. the producers for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so you have this heightened reality. Like, none of these characters are playing like real human beings. Again, you got uh, Renee Zellweger's character, Roxy Hart. She's what you expect out of, like, a, a young ingenue achieving stardom. You know, she's got the, the peppy voice and attitude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, uh, the the guy she's seeing on the side is, like, the, kind of the same exaggerated way. He's like, oh, leave it, toots, or whatever. <laughs> like, and then you got her husband played by John C. Riley. He's also, like, the sad side, like, oh, shucks, I can't believe it. <laughs> I mean, so John like, C. Riley that's all like is a, kind of perfect in this movie because John C. Riley is perfect in every movie. So I, I guess, yeah, it's well, it seemed like such a he. I believe he was nominated for an Oscar for this role, or was that Gangs of New York? Uh, I think that. Uh, let me double check. Yeah. All right, I'll vamp. Yeah, I just had the page up. Damn it, Greg! Why didn't you set me up for this? But he gets like he gets like one musical number. Everybody gets like a little musical number, but that's it in terms of like character development. They don't really change or grow. In any way, mm-hmm. John C. Riley was nominated for this movie, not Gangs in New York. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming it's again. It was because of his one musical number. Doesn't but, matter. Yeah. It went to Chris Cooper anyway because he was doing an yeah. accent, and that's funny. So, yeah. <laughs> and he wore a hat <laughs> and looked like one of those so uh, unclamorous. Oh, he really, yeah. he really tore himself down for this role. Yeah, how powerful. He's, he's, yeah, he's one of those working class class people I hear about um, <laughs> on television and reading books. But so it's already like a a heightened reality, but then, like, it doesn't really integrate the musical numbers that well. No. Um, like, I, like, on the one hand, I want to I want to give them credit for at least trying, like, this, this idea of the musical numbers kind of interspersed with real life, because sometimes, you know, like, it cuts for dialogue scenes back to reality, quote-unquote, but the problem mm-hmm. is there's not so much distance between, you know, the heightened reality of the movie and then the musical numbers themselves, which are very much, like, very stagey. 
And on top of that, it also just feels very clunky at times. Like we talked about Cabaret last week, and I think the the editing in that film is very elegant and it's kind of yes. like perfected. Whereas here, it's just very kind of like choppy and clunky. And I bet you want to know why I shot the bastard. <laughs> Shut up, dummy. Mr. Billy Flynn in the press conference rag. Notice how his mouth never moves. Almost. Where'd you come from? Mississippi. And your parents? Very wealthy. Where are they now? Six feet under. But she was granted one more start. The convent of the Sacred Heart. When'd you get here? 1920. How old were you? Don't remember. Then what happened? I met a he stole my heart away, convinced me to elope one day. Oh, poor dear, I can't believe what you've been through. A convent girl, a runaway marriage. Now tell us, Roxy, who's Fred Casely? My ex-boyfriend. Why'd you shoot him? I was leaving. Was he angry? Like a madman. Still, I said, Fred, move along. She knew that she was doing wrong. Then describe it. He came toward me. With a pistol From my bureau Did you fight him? Like a tiger He had strength and she had none And yet we both reached for the gun Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, both, oh yes I don't. I can't speak enough to why that is. I can only just mm-hmm. kind of give my feelings towards it. Um, I, I think I've got a few like examples. Okay. So when I say like they literally just filmed the Broadway production numbers, I'm thinking in namely of the particular like um, yeah, they both reach for the gun mm-hmm. and they stage it as if um, Roxy Renee Zellweger's character is the ventriloquist puppet mm-hmm. to Richard Gere's lawyer character. Mm-hmm. And behind them is, like, all the press is, like, being pulled by strings as well. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end of the number, they start doing, like, flips and jumping up and down on these, like, suspended <laughs> by strings. And it's a lot. And then every musical number ends with the stage freeze. That's true. It's, like, it has a big end thing. And then it stops for, like, five seconds. Like, not even, like, five seconds. Like, again, on Broadway, you're supposed to applaud because now the musical number's over or whatever. But they don't even, like, give you a chance to do that. And it just, like, cuts inelegantly right back to the dialogue. Or, like, a... Uh, Right back to the like diegetic or a main real storyline. Exactly, and it's completely inelegant. And there's only one instance where I feel like it's cutting uh, real life with the performance, a la as we talked last week, uh, cabaret. Mm-hmm. And it's when we do implicate that. Oh yes, it, it's possible that Roxy will be hanged for her crime, and they do it via the uh, Hungarian woman. She's she's actually a, a Russian ballet dancer and does speak Russian at one point. That baffled me. Yes. But, um, <laughs> well, I think the other the interesting uh, addition of her character is the fact that she is actually innocent. Like yes. you'll notice during the cell block tango, like everyone is very much confessing to their crimes, even though obviously mm-hmm. they're spinning it and justifying it. And there's the red ribbon yeah. meant to represent blood. With hers. It's all in Russian because, again, we're not supposed to really try, truly understand what she's saying. And also, yes. there's no red ribbon. She truly is innocent, but it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. So, yeah. hence why it's also all the more tragic when she's the one who actually gets hanged for her crime. Yes. Quote, unquote, crime. And so, we see her led to the gallows, and it's cut between another of Roxy's vision, mm-hmm. this time, like, doing a high dive from the stage in front of this big, giant audience. Mm-hmm. And so, that, that's the only time that I felt like we were getting somewhere emotional. The only, the only other, like, uh, scene that had an impact on me... It's not the 
it's not the waltz, but it's the introduction to um, Queen Latifah's character, uh, the diversity hire. <laughs> she, How she, dare you? I, <laughs> I don't. Hey, they wanted Kathy Bates first, okay? Mm. O- otherwise, Tay Diggs would have been the only uh, person of color in the cast. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> After it's following her introdu- uh, her introductory song, and they lead uh, Roxy down the cell block, and like, again, it's another big bombastic song. Uh, I believe it ends in another stage free freeze, and then the door slides shut on her cell, and there's finally like a moment of quiet, and she breaks down and cries. And I thought like, okay, finally, like we're getting somewhere emotional, but like, nope, like the, yeah, prison prison life turns out to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's never like um, abused in any way. Uh, if anything. Queen Latifah's character is like helping her, like actively helping her, and so like things just get like better from there. There's ever already like implications. Like there's nothing, anything, nothing really like bad happens in the movie. Like no. everything's kind of put a positive spin on it, even murdering your spouse. I object. Sustained. Your Honor, I haven't even asked the question yet. Everyone loves the big bamboozler. Give them the old three-ring circus, stun and stagger them. When you're in trouble, go into your dance. Oh, you are stiffer than a girder. They let you get away with murder. Razzle dazzle them. And you got a romance. And also the weird interplay, I think, or at least most jarring with that, is the character Richard Gere is playing Billy. Because mm-hmm. the way he's kind of like introduced, he's introduced with the song of like, he does it for the love. And it's very interesting because, you know, he's first introduced to like silhouettes where a guy's getting his shoe shined. And you think, oh, he's going to be the, the dapper gentleman getting his shoe shined. But no, he's actually the poor man shining the shoes. And I guess it's meant to be ironic because we later find out, no, he is only in it for the money. And obviously he is like well-to-do and well-dressed and a socialite. So it's meant to be kind of ironic. But you haven't introduced us to the character yet. So there's no irony. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah, there's no irony and there's no... Again, there's nothing... There's no twists as as far as I know. There's nothing... There's nothing really to recalibrate or change my thinking in terms of like how I feel about these characters. It's like they're one way and they stay that way throughout the whole story. And as a result, you don't really care if, like, Roxy goes to the gallows or... <laughs> well, no, because A, she's a murderer, and B, then she's yeah. just, like, a liar and just continues to yeah. do immoral stuff throughout the production. Yeah, so you're yeah, not really she manipulates her husband. Yeah, she manipulates her husband at one point. Mm-hmm. She claims that this... she's pregnant, so, yeah. you know, to gain sympathy and gain attention again. Oh, that's great. Woohoo, strong yeah. female <laughs> characters. Thanks. <laughs> She was being a girl boss, John. I don't know why you have such a problem with women in power. You're right. right. Hashtag girl boss. Yeah. Faking pregnancy. That's what we screenwriters call agency. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess what pleasures you can draw from the movie are from the musical numbers, which I think are I think are good. Like the music itself is good. I think it was a better way that we could have more creatively staged the actual performances, though, because it looks like they are just filming 
like we kind of cut somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, like, like, we cut to a whole new set where we just, like, staged the Broadway production and we just filmed that from, like, 15 different angles and just cut them together, and that's it. Exactly. So I wanted to ask, like, your opinion, like, is there any way we could, like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> jazz up the <this> production <laughs> numbers? <laughs> Other than what I wanted to see is that, like, have them integrate with the story, like... Again, they're in it elegantly cut. There's like the stage freeze, and mm-hmm. we just cut back to Renee Zellweger. I thought, I was wondering, like, when are we going to get like a punch up? Like, when are we going to get like, like, oh, right, like the, one of these visions where like, oh, I'm a star, and then cut to like a plate of gruel being dropped in front of her exactly. in prison. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was nothing like that. I mean, they tried with the cell block tango because we keep cutting back from the performance, which is obviously very stylized. It has the classic mm-hmm. visual everyone knows about this, which is the red uh, backlit cell block with the ladies dancing like they're strippers. Yes. Um, and Dressed in lingerie. The costume designer could not get enough lingerie. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to them actually explaining their stories between the song and then the actual dialogue. But like you said, the movie is stylized to a certain, like such a heightened degree that even when they're in prison, it doesn't seem that real. And then yeah. prison is not that scary a place, especially not for you know Mama, not for Queen Latifah's character. Yeah, <laughs> they seem to be able to go as they please. So yes, <laughs> I could. So she appears to be in a prison uniform, but she's also wearing a badge. Mm. Yeah, I don't. And I, maybe it's just to indicate that she's obviously in with the guards or something like that. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she's the. Again, it's like a sign of compromise between them. Maybe. Yeah, here's a sign of my status, but I'm also dressed like a prisoner. Again, I don't know. It's not really resolved. She's not the source of a conflict, though. She's a loving kind of mother figure. Exactly. Uh, Well, I mean, the whole point of her character introduction is, you know, she believes in reciprocity. That mm-hmm. if you're gonna, if she's gonna do something for you. You gotta do something for her. But she's just giving shit away throughout the whole yeah. movie. <laughs> Besides, it's, like fifty or hundred dollars for a phone call, she seems very caring and forgiving. So yes, yeah, it does lead to my favorite moment in the movie, or at least another one that sticks out. At least the best laugh I had was when Roxy starts to ascend in fame via, like again, this uh, media impression that Billy's putting on, and her most distinct feature is her hair. Mm-hmm. And then when Catherine Zeta-Jones complains to Mama, like, oh, she's stealing the spotlight, uh, Mama has <laughs> the exact same hair. hair. Style, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a, yeah, that's a nice touch. I mean, yeah, there are like, little touches here and there, but over the course of two hours, it doesn't add up to enough, yeah. I don't think. And I mean, the other thing I was thinking about watching this movie is like, there's no real right way to do a musical number I think I mean because we talked about the editing being too choppy and I remember that being a criticism of Cats as well and it's like you can't really win because you want the cuts to kind of like go with the with the music and you want the rhythm to kind of be there but Mm -hmm. so you can't hold your shot too long but also like you want to be able to demonstrate that you know these people are actually singing and dancing so you got to like hold the cut long enough and i do kind of like wonder maybe Catherine zeta jones and renee zellweger weren't the best dancers so that's why <laughs> i mean they do a good job at least from i could tell i thought they did it I, w- I was gonna say Catherine zeta jones does nail it mm-hmm. not just in the performances themselves but in the performances themselves but also as a character mm-hmm. like i liked her performance like when she when she is like brassy and like a kind of buffs up against uh, Broxy. Like, I, I could see, like, a real human person behind that. <laughs> and it wasn't just, like, overplaying, like, as a cartoon character. Yeah, which is obviously what Catherine Zeta-Jones is doing. <laughs> yeah. Same with Richard Gere, too. I, yeah, the, you can kind of, like, quibble about, like, oh, maybe, like, 
Catherine Zeta-Jones and Renee Zellweger aren't the world's best dancers. You could certainly say that about Richard Gere, who is not the world's best singer. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so... I think he did his, a fine his, job. Yeah. His range is limited, eh, I guess. I mean, yeah, it wasn't great, but, I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't bad enough I was distracted or like, who cares of this guy? I mean, he's, he's, he's yeah. a leading man, so he's still got that charm, baby. <laughs> What do you think of his uh, his tap dance number? Uh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, it's the same problem where it's like, oh, we're we're cutting in a musical number to go with, you know, reality of what's happening. But again, it's just mm-hmm. inelegantly done. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing. It's just like kind of inelegant. It doesn't really. It's not trying to make an emotional impact on you. Mm-hmm. Um, the laughs, what few there are, are like okay. So yeah, you're just left with this like bullseye of middle brow, yeah, exactly, like, kind of perfectly. <laughs> just middle like the artist, inter- which would win five years later. You know, it's like yeah. that's just like oh, this is just fine. It's it just hits all the marks. It uh, checks all the boxes. It's great. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's, and. If we're talking about best picture of the year, yes, obviously it's overrated. You were trying to bring that up. It's like if if we're going to claim this is the best picture of the year, like obviously we have to say it's overrated. But then again, mm-hmm. what are the Oscars for? Are they uh, giving us the quote-unquote best movie of the year or the one that checked the most boxes? And I guess this one and the artist definitely checked the most boxes. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, what, it's what everybody could agree on mm-hmm. is the thing. Yeah. And so like it's at a very it's a very agreeable movie. It it won't elicit a lot of passion out of you though. Exactly. That's the idea. Yeah. yeah, and that's our. That, I think that's its greatest sin, mm-hmm. at least for you and I, because we want to be left with, you know, we're, we're trying to look at masterpieces here. We're actually <laughs> we're looking out for like the best of the best. I want my um, soul rendered. I yeah. want I want to have passion <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> well, maybe not soul rendered because I also thought about like what's. I don't like the musical genre, but what's my favorite musical? Probably the Blues Brothers. Now that is not a movie that really like kind of cuts deep at the soul or, or anything, mm-hmm. but like between its tone, its laughs, uh, the, the incredible talent on display, it all adds up to something as great as the sum of its parts. Mm. And I feel like with the musicals we looked at, like they they haven't added up to that. Mm. I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a problem with uh, adaptation. Because again, a lot of the productions yeah. we looked at were music or were meant for the stage, and I think mm-hmm. there's a very good reason why you love the Blues Brothers. That was intended to be a film first and foremost. Yes, and it's never going to go to Broadway because you can't have a twenty-car pileup happen on Broadway <laughs> stage, unfortunately. <laughs> well, just wait, John. No. There's some Imagineers working Excellent. there. Damn this! <laughs> <laughs> They're going to make it work. Yeah. Although I guess that I, is the, I will, that is the big trend now is like turning adapting movies into Broadway. So yes, <laughs> it used to go the other way. Yep. And also, I I will commend the movie for this. I have complained that 
like, I, I need more music in my musicals. <laughs> and Chicago really excels in that department. There's literally like a, a song for every scene and no real reprises, unlike The Sound of Music, which just repeats the same five songs in the second act. Mm, that's true, yeah. And none of those songs are particularly like barn burners. Like at least with this yeah. one, it's got, you know, you got all that jazz. Like I was like, ooh, fun. Yeah. But, I mean, I was looking for more. Give me more. If you're going to be best picture, okay, I need to have more than just fun, all right? Yeah, we need the most, okay? <laughs> we demand the most. The most. Because we, we've earned it. We deserve it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, someone said it. <laughs> we were all thinking it. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's not fair. We don't earn it. You know who does? Our audience. Oh, that's true. And you know what? Yeah. We should give them more. In fact, let's give them some recommendations. What do you say, Greg? Absolutely. But what should we call it? What do we? Let's hmm, give what should it we call this jazzy name? Let's, what do we call this segment that we put at the end of every episode? How about um, hmm, something jazzy? How about a uh, spotlight? Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Uh, let's workshop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come up with a better name while I'm I'm giving you yeah. my spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I watched a documentary this week. Uh, I'm currently going through grad school. So I get to uh, experience a lot more art than I'm used to. And I watched this documentary this week about uh, two particular art collectors who have had a, a wild impact on the world of arts that you might not have heard of. Are you familiar yep. with the names Herb and Dorothy Vogel? They sound familiar. I'm sure I've seen their names in museums mm-hmm. or on museums <laughs> <laughs> if they are the, the, the reputed art collectors that you say they are well so there's their collection i think only about or yes so i think their collection is kind of like now spread out across but uh initially they wanted to give it to the national gallery because they didn't want anyone to sell it or at least you know like pick it apart okay because Mm -hmm. that's the interesting thing about their story they never did this for the money they were just this passionate about art uh herb and dorothy are a, a old couple who lived in uh Upper East Side of New York, um, mm-hmm. in a rent-controlled apartment, a single one-bedroom rent-controlled apartment. <laughs> but gosh darn it, they just loved art. And so every moment that they weren't working, they were just at every gallery talking to artists, and mm-hmm. also unknown artists. Like they they weren't like embedded in the uh, art world. They were like going to Tribeca and seeing uh, what are people working on over here. They were you know people. They were they're described as like the proletariat collectors. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. So they were enthusiasts. It's not like they were going, like, flying to Paris and bidding on, like, this unearthed Van Gogh or something. No, absolutely not. They were yeah. they were on the cutting edge. They were, like, looking at what's next. And mm-hmm. they were also looking at artists, and they were more interested in their process than their actual, like, final pieces. They would collect sketches. They would collect works in progress. And, again, like I said, they live in a one-bedroom apartment in New York. <laughs> Okay. So there, this documentary, it's just simply called Herb and Dorothy from 2008. It just follows them a day in their lives as there's just this adorable little Jewish couple walking to these mm-hmm. art galleries, collecting pieces, and all these artists who are now, you know, world-famous millionaires, or I guess not millionaires, but, you know, they're, they're pretty well-known in the art world and are able to sell their pieces for, like, millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about, you know, just how affable and friendly they are and just how salt-of-the-earth people they are. And then we cut to their apartment, which is just a complete garbage pile. (laughs) (laughs) Because these people are literally just like buying and collecting art, and then whatever they can fit in their apartment is how their collection kind of continues. (laughs) So they look like hoarders. They're like, their apartment is just this tiny little rent-controlled thing, just like wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, just full of artwork. And just, like, Mm. the weirdest artwork. Because the other thing, too, is they were very into conceptual stuff. 
And so it's like kind of the classic, you know, conceptual joke where it's like they'll show you pieces and it's like, well, actually, that one's upside down. So <laughs> um, it's just kind of a fascinating survey about, you know, the art world and these just these two salt of the earth people. Yeah. Interesting. But is this is this documentary widely available or? Um, I think you might be able to get it through. Have you ever heard of Hoopla? Hoopla. No. It's like it's a new I, library sharing kind of app, but uh, it's not widely. Okay. It's not certainly not San Diego Public Library does not share it right now, which I've petitioned <laughs> for. But Los Angeles mm -hmm. local library does, so you'll be able to like remotely kind of borrow stuff through them. So you might be able to find it through there. But yeah, if not, maybe Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Well, thank you, John, for a hearty recommendation. I've got something much lighter. Okay. I, I hope that's okay. Much lighter. I, this is about yes. art world. It's about a, a cute Jewish couple. How could he? It's not yeah. like I was like <laughs> giving you something dark. Well, I, I here I'll try to connect our, our spotlights because I I love the enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're very positive and, and really nurturing of these artists and, and really supporting their work. Um, I've got a person who uh, really tears down. Uh -oh. <laughs> this is kind of the the, the, the world of uh, aesthetics. Oh no. Uh, she's she's. <laughs> You already know who it is. It's possible that, John, that you forgot about her sterling work on the blog that I'm going to recommend today. I don't think we've ever talked about it before, but McMansion Hell. Oh, no. John, let's talk about McMansion Hell. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, because it, it's run by, uh, I think she's a school teacher. Her name's Kate Wagner. Mm -hmm. And so basically what she did, this is in the era of the fun internet, um, before it was all bought up by uh, uh, Google and venture capital and tried to destroy it. And so before Facebook convinced everyone to pivot to video. So Yes, yeah. So it's a very rudimentary blog. And basically, she took like these photos of what, what we now know as the McMansion. Like, it, I'm sure you know what the McMansion is, right? I mean, I'm sure everybody does. But... Uh, even if even if you don't know exactly what we're referring to, you'd you'd recognize it when you saw it. It's these like kind of developed areas um, over like flat <laughs> flat plain grasslands of America. Yep. Um, just gaudy, uh, terrific. They're designed from the outside in, so they all have to have a giant staircase and a foyer, and they have fifteen different like gables <laughs> and roof styles. And <laughs> if the cheesecake factory were your home, like basically yes, that's what we're yes. going for. <laughs> Basically, and so where she and so basically all she did was drop these pictures into MS Paint and then type in just uh, the absolute hilarious, most hysterical commentary <laughs> you could possibly think of. <laughs> I mean, again, you need like the benefit of pictures. I, I this is why I haven't been saving it for Spotlight because this is an audio medium, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. But the second you see like these photos and just the funny aside she has with the windows, <laughs> or excuse me, just these funny aside. aside asides that she has with these captions like um I, re I remember one she added up the the number of window styles just on the facade just on the front side of the house and it added up to nine <laughs> i'm looking at it right yeah. now and i'm i'm really digging the interiors because <laughs> yes you know the interiors are, are really where she excels so the reason i brought it up is because she is going to do um she does a lot of theming around uh the McMansion Hell is the idea of her posts. Um, she previously did one on all 50 states, but she's going to do one upcoming on every state that's voting on Super Tuesday. Mm, okay. So yeah, so that's that's what kind of reminded me of of her of her project here. Um, I was also see this contest she had of a of a, a gingerbread hell <laughs> <Yep>. houses. <laughs> I'm looking at that right now. Ooh, gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> yes. And then um, also she's getting into more educational like material. So the most recent post is a summation of 70s architecture. She really thought that 
the architectural style in suburban America that really gave rise to uh, the McMansions that we see in the mid 2000s and, and possibly today. Uh, and she also did a, a series of posts on brutalism mm. as well. Um, which I know is your favorite architectural style. Well, I mean, it's a conversation starter. <laughs> like, That's is she true. overly is she overly critical of brutalism? Like, how what where does she fall? Where does she fall? Uh, uh, it, well, that's the thing. I I think it it depends on the space because she used some like good examples of it. One is like a like a kind of a low level like public housing in the UK, mm-hmm. right by the River Thames or something. Like, that's a good example. Oh yeah, as long it. as the poor's live there, that's what's important. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, it's also, like, very aesthetically pleasing. Like, but if we look at, I don't know, Boston City Hall, for instance. Mm. See, that's, like, that's, like that's something where everyone like that, goes. Like, that's where everyone, yeah. everyone wants to use so, that. That's so a bad just, example, which yeah. I think is unfair. <laughs> what do you think of the Boston City Hall, John? I think it's fine. I think it's a, it's a breath of fresh air. And, you know, Boston Calling needs a venue, so I say, why not? <laughs> yeah. So... Again, the I don't think she, I, don't, I can't remember exactly where she falls on it. I think she the idea was to just give a primer because she is an educator by trade. I mean, this the, the McMansion Hell is just a hobby. Uh, so, uh, but again, just the biting nature of her commentary is what's so hysterical about it. And yeah, I could lose uh, many hours in McMansion Hell, and that's why I, I heartily recommend it to everybody. Got it. Yeah, and again, it's it's about the appreciation of art. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the reason it appeals to us, because we're, we're aesthetes, uh, I don't know the exact title of that word, but... <laughs> Aesthet heads. <laughs> yeah, aesthet heads, yeah. I mean, we look at the aesthetics of things, and so... <laughs> and kind of, like, think critically about them, and, and kind of what they're achieving, so... I, th- I think that's, that's really, like, why it appeals to me and uh, you and I so much. That's true. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're devourers of culture and aesthetics, so I, I completely yeah. understand. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm looking at it right now, and I think I should dig deep if I had the time. You know, I'm so busy. Yes. I'm just simply so busy. Who had time, time for words anymore? Put it in podcast form. Put I, it on YouTube. <laughs> then maybe. <laughs> but, Sean, how could you know, like, uh, looking at this, this gorgeous uh, McMansion in, in Fairfax, <laughs> Fairfax County, Virginia? Again, one of the most tasteful areas of the, of the United States, if you ask me. Of course. <laughs> um, she points to uh, one one particular balcony of this house's, let's see, four balconies and says, embrace the void. <laughs> and she also points out these uh, shrubs are huddled in fear. And, um, <laughs> and pointing to this particular mansion's uh, uh, gigantic chimney and quoting, yeah, that's right, we burn things in this house. <laughs> wow. <laughs> harsh, harsh. Yeah. So again, very well done. I know it's not the most substantive recommendation I could possibly make, but, you know, what do you want from me? <laughs> It's fine, Greg. Like, look, I think it's worse when you try to cut off criticism right at the pass, you know? <laughs> I think that makes you sound defensive. It's... All right, fair enough. I guess you could say, like, uh, ask for forgiveness rather than uh, permission or something. That's, that's the best policy. Yeah. That's what I do yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. Officer, please. I didn't know. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of asking, mm. let's let's beg. Let's go ahead, put uh, get down on our knees and beg for... A follow on social media, huh? Indeed, I mean, a follow. We've given you. I mean, that exactly. seems like a weird a, a subscription. I guess what is what yeah, is I the guess, proper yes, nomenclature sorry, for this? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been on Twitter a lot lately, so I'm just seeing that follow button. Okay, so. there you go. Yeah. So we are on Twitter, aspiring sn- or excuse me, Twitter.com/slash aspiring snobs, Facebook.com/slash aspiring snobs, and we're also on Instagram at aspiring snobs. Yes. So 
So check us out all there. And then once you're done with that, if you want to get in touch with us, like questions, comments, recommendations, you can always reach out to us at our email, aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. Yes, reach out to us during our little hiatus. Mm -hmm. Tell us that we're giving you life. Tell us that you desperately need the show back. It will motivate us to continue to do the show. Exactly. (laughs) After a three- to uh, four-week layoff. So... (laughs) I mean, you've got, we've got your bachelor weekend, I've got my honeymoon, it's just, it's a whole thing, it's a whole thing. And we've been doing this week to week, damn it, all right? Yes. Never taking, well, I mean, we've taken breaks, but, you know, never more than two weeks in a row, so. Exactly, yeah. That's why I really want to thank our producer team. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's because I I joked earlier, it was just the two of us. Actually, it takes, it takes a village to produce this this podcast. Um, I want to thank our producers, uh, Guinevere uh, Von Stratton. Uh, our intern, uh, uh, Sebastian von Fauntleroy. <laughs> First of all, they're all, all Dutch. Well, yeah. no, see, that's the problem. If you're trying to go for like an NPR kind of style of thing, you have to make yes. them sound very, very foreign. <laughs> okay. Yes, that's true. <laughs> or from like a moneyed, moneyed family. There some. you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, that wasn't a judgment call. I've just noticed that a lot of the producers on NPR are very, it's a very diverse crowd over there. That's all I was saying. Yeah. I wasn't saying like foreign, like ew, gross. I'm just, it's something I've noticed. No, it's a posi- it's a positive thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, d- if you listen to a WNYC podcast, oy, oy vey. Yeah. Oh, that was a bad thing to say. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> the point is, we're 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 posting cringe and yes. losing subscribers. So, what we need from you, mm-hmm. in addition to, if we can ask one more favor of you. Yes. In in addition, to all those subscriptions on social media. If you could go to your podcast service of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever it may be. Go ahead, give us a, a positive review there. Give us a subscribe there as well. Mm-hmm. And um, again, more people will find the show, and we'll be keeping up. Uh, we'll be keeping up our listenership uh, through this little break. So exactly, because with every rating review, the algorithms push us to the top. So we'll be able to find more listeners and build this aspiring yeah. snob community together. Yes, and that's what we want. We want to be the biggest podcast in the world. Joe Rogan, we're coming for your ass. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Because we're competitive people, damn it, all right? Yeah. If you're not winning, you're losing, so <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. Yep. <laughs> well, Greg, the only thing left to do is to tease them with what we're watching next week. Yes. So before our little hiatus, we're going to do a big one. Well, actually, we I have mean, two it... more weeks before the hiatus. So. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> we're going to do a huge one. We're going to do a big, a big one, a, f- a, a fantastic one, a huge one. Mm-hmm. I'm talking one that originally was going to be the pilot for Aspiring Snobs, the original one. We've hold it, held it off because it is so dang long, but you and I are going to watch Lawrence of Arabia for the very first time. Well, this is actually one of those rare instances where I've seen the movie and Greg has not. So, Oh, really? You have seen it? I okay. have seen it, yes. And, uh, but I'll have to save all my opinions till next week. Uh, of course. <laughs> yes. Just a little tease for y'all. Tease. Yes. Yes. So until then, thank you everybody for listening. Yes, and until next time. Keep aspiring. And all that jazz. Jazz. <laughs>